You'll know when you have a wild woman. She'll practice her craft without boundaries. She is truly autonomous. Her loyalty is only to the family she serves, a midwife who will not allow herself to be held back by a system she didn't create. This podcast is for the birth keepers who want to grow and change. We're open to learning through self-reflection and supportive community. We are creating this space to explore without judgment. We are remembering we were born wild. Welcome back to the Born Wild podcast with your hosts, Emma, Sophia, and Leah. Hope everybody's doing well on this beautiful summer day in California. How are you girls doing? Good. Um, Good. My elbow. I'm okay. My elbow hurts. What happened to your elbow? Furniture moving, you know. Floppy Tempur-Pedic mattress and it got the best of me. I just think I hyperextended it, but it's just bumming me out a little bit. But, What's going on? Uh, the kids slept in their room for the first time by themselves. Uh, they've been in our, I'd say our bed, but we have two queen beds smashed together or had. So we moved one into their playroom and are trying to create it to be their shared but kind of separated bedroom. Um, but they stayed in all night and it was really surprising actually mm-hmm. and great. Um, so Gracie said she was scream. I was screaming for you in the middle of the night cause I had leg cramps. I don't know if she's messing with me or she actually was and I didn't hear her. That would really surprise mm-hmm. me. But Wait, you were but screaming? Yeah. Who was screaming? She was screaming mm-hmm. for us mm-hmm. is what she said. But she's also a liar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been a dream I don't know but um in more exciting news I found out my son was probably born without a gallbladder yeah so I don't even know yeah. what that like means necessarily but we're just tweaking his diet a little bit to just be more cognizant of decreasing fats and processed foods and sugary stuff, which we already were doing anyways, but just leaning farther away from meats and dairies, which we were, you know, kind of doing anyways for other reasons, health reasons. But yeah, so he got a, um, like a really bad tummy ache and ended up going to the hospital and, um, cause you know, he has a history of bowel surgeries and um, he ended up being okay, but in the process of trying to find his appendix to rule that out, we found out that he does not have a gallbladder. So I was like, how do you miss that? You know, cause he's had so many people looking inside his body, <laughs> but they said in newborns, it's so tiny anyways, that if you're not purposely looking for it, you could just like not notice, but it's not there. So, wow. Fun, fun fact. We'll add that to his list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah what about you Leah how's your how's your week been it's been good I um I have exciting news that I'm moving not far really? <laughs> um, originally I was thinking of moving a little further up north but a place presented itself a lot closer um so I'll be in Fairfax um, which is a town I lived in before and I love and my kids love. So I'm just in the process of starting to organize and then pack and 
all that jazz. Wait, hold on. Do you do you not live in Fairfax right now? No, I live in Forest Knolls. Oh my god, I knew that. Okay, I was like, <laughs> why are you talking about it? Like it's literally not the town she lives in, just the other side. <laughs> well, it's a small, it's a small difference. No, okay, this whole time know, I've been saying that you live in Fairfax when that's not true. Okay. On, on the map, it's the only place. Um, mm -hmm. If you go over a little hill, um, it's a valley called San Geronimo Valley. It's actually where I grew up. And I've been living here for a while. My kids go to school here and it's been really awesome. But I was just ready for a little bit of more space and to be a little bit more mm -hmm. central. So I found a beautiful house that I love and it felt very serendipitous like this is for you um so i'm very excited about that and just getting ready for a summer my kids are german their dad's from germany so they they weren't sure if they were going to go but they are going to go visit family in germany for a month so preparing to miss them like crazy um but i'm glad that they get to go so yeah it's been actually a pretty great week for me We'll have to have a moving party. Oh yeah, and I, I can injure the other arm moving no. all your furniture. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Emma? Mm, yeah. Well, I have been switching gears. I literally only think about midwifery because I'm trying to wrap up midwifery school so i'm either listening to a midwifery podcast or doing a module or sitting in a prenatal or attending a birth and i've mentioned this on the pod a couple times but i'm a musician and the other day i just woke up and i'm like mm, i need to be playing music really bad so i used to write music in the bay area with somebody and he would make beats and it was really cool and we worked really well together and um I reached out to him and I was like, hey, you know, interested in making a new project. He was like, that is so crazy. I was literally just talking about you to somebody just now. So it was kind of a universe thing. Um, and we got together and we're going to start putting out new music. And he's got really great connections in LA. And it really felt um, like a part of my identity and spirit was able to be nurtured, which. Um, felt really good so that was a good highlight of my week well i can't yeah. wait to hear hear it after the project's done being yeah. at your house and, yeah. and hearing you play your piano it's like a crime for you not to play and sing great. Thank yeah you. gracie really actually still talks about it that we had told her and then you didn't actually play that night uh for mayday oh, she like, remembered and forgot to play for us <laughs> I'll come back up and I will play. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, Leah, do you want to give an introduction to who we're interviewing today? I'm so excited. Sure. So today is someone very special to me. Um, I met her when I was 13 in a girls empowerment group. Lots of Ani DeFranco and collage and just... Um, yeah, I really shifted my experience of being a teenager. Um, and she's done a lot of work with positive body image. Um, and that translates into birth work. She 
had two home births um, and then has been working as an advocate for body image during pregnancy and afterwards. And um, she is just full of knowledge about all of those topics. So um, I'm very excited to, to talk with her and for you guys to meet her. Um, and her name is Caitlin Rivlin. Um, and here we go. Welcome, Caitlin. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So tell us about yourself. Tell us, give us a little bit of introduction about who you are, what you're, give us your story. Mm. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I am a postpartum doula, um, have been for a very long time. Um, and I was doing births for quite a long time and just stopped uh, mostly because of being a single mom and didn't have, you know, to be on call as a single mom was difficult for me. So uh, I've been doing postpartum work for, I don't know how many years, a long time. Um, and then my kind of my beginning of my journey really started with um, an eating disorder when I was a teenager and it becoming part of my mission in life to help women. Um, oh, at the time it was teenage girls love themselves unconditionally. And, um, and that was sort of my first passion. I mean, I always had this passion for women and women's rights and I was able to be exposed. Luckily, my mother was sort of radical at the time and I was able to be exposed to things. I think most people at, you know, teenage girls weren't exposed to feminist literature and, um, yeah. Lots of, and I read tons of books around the idea that women, that us hating our bodies was actually part of a bigger system of oppression. And once I learned that, and I was 14, um, that kind of set me on the path of questioning, well, everything. <laughs> and specifically, any, any system that's telling me or anyone else that we're not okay the way we are. And as a teenager, that was the thing where I was, I was in groups of teenage girls, all who looked so different all of us were saying the same things about our bodies. And I just, it did not make logical sense that we all spoke the same self-loathing, the self-hatred dialogue. And we were all so right. different. And so to me, I was like, well, this is not because individually we're each crappy and ugly. Like, obviously that's not, that's not the thing. Something else is going yeah. on here. Right. Um, yeah. And then I think obviously reading all about, just about the history of, well, patriarchy and, um, and, the history of why women hate their bodies. It just sent me on a mission. And I've been in different ways working on my whole life. So it started with kind of activism, working with teenage girls, which is where Lee and I met in a girls group. I was facilitating, co-facilitating with another woman. I was 17, I think. Yeah. And Leah was 14. She was in my body love, what I don't know what it was called, like, I don't know, girls against, girls loving their bodies you, for it. You turned 18 though. <laughs> yes. And you yes. know why. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yes. There's a story uh, in there. There is a story in there. <laughs> and then I think over time, it just sort of shifted to, um, well, yeah, being passionate about women in every every part of every part of our liberation, right? And birth and our birth experiences. And I was, you know, I was young when I my friends started having babies. Younger, I mean, young in the Bay Area. Leah was what? We were twenty three. Leah, right? 
when you've had your 24, but our, our other best friend was 21. And like, and I had another friend that had a baby at 16 and I sort of been around babies and women. And I just, the first birth I ever saw, I was, I was just, I was blown away by the experience of witnessing it and what, and how much she went through and how fucking, how she didn't have, sorry, sure. You can swear. Okay. Cause yeah. I, I, I have a little bit of a potty mouth, you know, <laughs> Oh, so do we. Um, <laughs> um, I was simultaneously moved by the experience of watching my friend give birth in a hospital naturally um, and also witnessed her terror and lack of support so um, and then actually Lee and I spent a lot of time taking care of her baby like I didn't know shit about babies when she had her I was 21 we were all just hanging out and drinking jello shots you know and um, here's our I mean I was Leah was you know totally not (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) oh this is many years ago it's like 20 years ago um and I just I just yeah getting exposed to all the struggles that she was having as a you know new mom all those things it just for me it tied in beautifully with the way women feel about themselves our sexuality our bodies and how little support they have during before during and after so that's sort of what led me to do the work eventually. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. So what was your first dive into it to really make it, you know, what you wanted to do? Which, what do you mean? Which part? Like any of it, like your first, I guess, like entrepreneur, <laughs> you know, hmm. um, like after meeting as teenagers, where did you oh, oh, their, um, you know, career-wise and... So as Leah knows, like whenever I get any knowledge that I think is important, I don't, I always have the instinct to share it. Like I don't, I have a very, and it's the same thing with pretty much everything I've ever been passionate about. Cause if I find something that has helped me at all, I'm like, other people need to know about this. Not that everyone's going to, it's going to feed everyone the same way. Right. But for me, um, I, you know, having the idea of loving my body, I thought was really simple. And then to start to do public speaking and I started to sort of tell my story in public. I went back to high school to talk about um, the possibilities that we as teenage girls or all women at that time. Of course, now it's, I can use all the inclusive language. All genders deserve to love themselves, obviously. <laughs> we all do, you know. But at the time it was very, girls were, you know, 98% of them were having body images, you know, were dieting and fourth grade, all this stuff. So the focus was very much on teenage girls. Um, but as I started doing a lot of activism, public speaking, I, I realized as I was a teenager, I was really tired because I started doing that work when I was 14. And by the time I was 20, I was exhausted, um, partly from not having support. You know, I was very alone in that I was, you know, at that time, body image, nobody talked. It was radical at that time. Now it's like, you know, it's the thing. There's a million books about it, but it was still sort of people were like, why, why shouldn't we hate ourselves? Um, what's wrong with hating ourselves? It drives me to go to the gym. You know, the ideas were very different then. Um, and so that kind of turned eventually into, I got really into the healing arts. So I did massage school. I did all this kind of energetic healing work, which I love so much. And I definitely, I definitely had dreams of like doing energetic body work. Like I had all these, everything I did, it was always going back to the body, you know? Um, and over time, I, I feel like ever since I was a teenage girl, I've been trying to find my way to the most purposeful, most deep work. I know it's with women. I know it's with the feminine. I know it's with sexuality. I know it's mm-hmm. about radical self-love. And I know that sounds really cliche, but to me, 
I don't believe that I can do anything in the world personally myself. I'm not able to function in the world hating myself. I mean, I've done it. I do it sometimes, but I really have to continue to practice radically loving myself. Otherwise, I mean, I can't be in relationship. I can't have, I mean, I can, but I'm half there because I'm not loving myself. I'm not, I'm not radically devoted. And so the only place for me that I want to come from in my life is devoted to myself. And that helps me be devoted to everything that I'm passionate about. Women, right? So, I mean, I know Leah's, I'm sure told you guys that now my big thing is dance. I know you had Alicia Roberts on and her and I both do the same dance in the city pole dance and sensual movement. Um, oh, fun. And that, yeah, well, yes, <laughs> it is. It's like, it's, it's definitely for me, the soul work that I have found. Um, it combines all the things I love, not birth, but a lot of the women have given birth and so this comes, you know, I mean, obviously, right. So this comes in a lot and the mother, we talk a lot about the mother archetype and all and what that means in the studio. Right. And expressing that through dance and um, yeah. And yeah. So dance at this point is sort of like the fire that lights me up and it's definitely my focus. Whenever I'm not doing working with babies, that's all I want to do <laughs> is mm -hmm. dance and teach. And uh, cause I'm teaching the movement too. And uh, yeah, it's my greatest passion. So entrepreneur-wise, like I have a lot of belief systems around how to, for me, how I want to teach this and bring it to the world. And it's taking me a long time to find the the niche or the um, the space to really come into my authentic teaching voice and bring this work the way I want to authentically to women. Because I want to make sure that I'm very clear, especially with all the stuff that's happened last year. You know the. Um, um, well, you don't know, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of spaces that have not been caring for people, marginalized bodies. And that's mm -hmm. definitely something that I feel strongly about. Yeah. And then also um, to really remember that the reason why I love this dance and why it's, it connects me with loving my body is that it's not just about, it actually has nothing to do with the way we look that all of us are, because the room that we're in, the where we dance, there's no mirrors, it's dark. I mean, you can barely see, like your boob could fall out and nobody would know, it's that dark. <laughs> no mirrors, that's awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, well, and the thing that's insane, Emma, is that I've seen dances that were so, women, these women have never seen themselves move. And I've seen dances that literally, I'm getting chills every five, like, it's just, it's so incredible to see what happens when we are, paying attention to how our bodies feel instead of how they look. It's not like something you'd see online where you see women are doing these little cheeky dances, which is nothing wrong with that. That's amazing. This is much more about slowing down and feeling moment to moment pleasure in your body. And that you just have, it just changes your relationship with your body. Yes. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I would love to hear because you and I were at each other's births and you yes. know, have that connection. Um, but when you found out that you were pregnant with Madrone, um, how do you feel like your work as a body image activist, um, how did that come up for you and translate? And what did you feel, you know, specifically in the realm of finding out you were pregnant? And how that, and how I felt about the body image, how that. Yeah. Like, evolved. did it you know, how did you feel that come in if it did and how you related, you know, put the two together? Yes. Um, 
well, at the time that I found out I was pregnant with Madrone, my first, my daughter, um, I mean, I, Leah knows this, I was feeling great about my body. I didn't think about my body that much at the time. I was like, my body is awesome and does great things. I would say that as my pregnancy progressed um, and my body started changing, I was very hyper aware of the critical things that would come into my mind. And I was surprised by them because I had done a lot of fucking work to overcome. I remember my, I mean, Leah knows, I remember my first stretch marks and I was like, uh oh, am I gonna be, am I gonna still love myself? You know, um, my thing was always that body, loving my body had to do with not the way it looked or even what it was, how it was functioning. So I had a lot of chronic illness too. It was more about, um, I get to love it because it's mine. Cause I was born into the world with this body and I just, everyone, but I deserve to love my body the way it is and how, and, and in the moment to moment. So changing, I wasn't as much afraid of change. And I would say that deeply, I was afraid of not loving my body if it changed like having that be having this sneaky negative talk come in and me not being and me because of all the hormones not knowing not having the same tools to fight against it because i think that in order to keep loving i in this in this culture and society for me i'll just speak for myself to have to love my body to love myself it's a constant it's work i mean it's a lot of dedication that i have to spend other you know or that i do spend and when I was pregnant, you know, I remember the stretch marks coming. And I remember my husband at the time saying that it looked like two hands coming across my belly, like coming across. Like He's like, your stretch marks look like two hands holding your belly. And I mean, it was very sweet. Yeah. So I was like, really? Is that what they look like? Are they like little wings? <laughs> um... um but, you know, I think I had been around other women who had been had babies and I knew that it was normal. I, t I remember talking to my doctor about stretch marks and I was like, if I put this cream on it, will it be good? Will that help? And she was like, well, honey, you can and that makes your skin supple and sweet, but it's not going to take away stretch marks. Stretch marks come from beneath the surface of the skin. So and I was like, huh? You know, and so just the idea that I didn't have to do anything, that I could just eat what eat when I'm hungry stop when I'm full, focus on nourishing my body and the baby, and that all those things that my body was gonna be changing, I didn't have a responsibility to keep it the same way. That was, that was something that I really had to, well, it's, it's where I was coming from. You know, it's what I, I really struggled and I really fought for that belief system. And it, I think it pretty much worked in the end. I remember my body going back after the baby was out, after the drone was out, and I remember being like, yeah, it's pretty much the same, except for just a little more skin and some more stretch marks. But I felt like what I had been through with having a baby was so wild. My birth was wild and intense. And my body was mirroring all that intensity and all that process and all those hormones and all of that self-exploration and tearing down of so many things that I thought of who I was as a, as a woman and allowing it to just be there as it is, not being attached to being the same. You were super nauseous too. Oh, I was nauseous the whole time. I yeah. hated being pregnant. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> hated it. First time. Yeah. I mean, I was nauseous the whole time. And then I also, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, and the heartburn, you know, I had every symptom in the world. Second pregnancy, it was like, I could have run a marathon. I felt so great. You know, I mean, maybe that's an exaggeration, but I, <laughs> Leah and I would be like, take these long walks. And I was like, Whoa, yeah, 
very different experience. But being nauseous, I, I, I know that I, and Leah knows this, I was afraid my body was going to fail me. Like my concern about my body was more about my ability to be strong and give birth, right? Just, I was less worried about the way it looked as more the way it was, was it going to be strong enough? You know, um, that was more my concern. So I have to tell this story because it's so funny. Um, so <laughs> our second babies are far apart. Are they like seven months, something like that? Seven months apart. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I was no. four, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was pretty pregnant with my second daughter, Sienna, like clearly wearing a moo moo, like, okay, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and you called me and you said, okay, so I got one pregnancy test and I think it's positive, but I'm not sure. Will you get another one? So I was in Speedway <laughs> and I picked up like two pregnancy tests. And when the person was ringing me up and everyone in line, it was like, girl, you don't need the test. <laughs> pregnant. So pregnant, yes. And it was so funny because I was like, it, it, it's for my friend. And I didn't even, it was, it was too great. It's one of my, they were like, let me save you some money. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. They pregnant. were like, so we're going to just tell you now. <laughs> but sure everybody was telling so her. I did that. Yes, that was very generous. I know you were, she was kind of embarrassed, but she did it for me anyway, which is true friendship. <laughs> Getting judged by a bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> um i have a question about because you said you did postpartum work did you say you ever did birth work or that just never worked out because so um, no no i'm doing i'm doing yes i'm doing um i've been doing postpartum work i'm still doing it now like, uh -huh. um lots of it and i was i used to do birth work but because of being once i became a single mom and just working and being on call it's just hard to yeah, yeah. Leave in the middle of the night, for example, main, right. main, main thing. Yeah. I'm curious how you integrated your knowledge base into being a birth worker and supporting, um, supporting women through their experiences. Mm. <sighs> well, I mean, I, I'm sure every doula has their own and midwife has their own kind of style. And I think that, and or belief system that sort of influences the way we speak to women. I know maybe with the same groundwork, but I definitely have noticed that um, I just wanted to give women a lot of permission to allow their experience to be their experience, right? That idea that there is one way, right? As you, I'm sure, have heard millions of times, people will believe that it's one way. Um, and just to allow as much, much, much of their process to be validated so i would just spend a lot of my i really wanted women to feel validated and heard and seen in their personal and unique experience and the body image part you know it's interesting it it came up but not as much as i thought it would truthfully um you know it was more i think postpartum was when it started to show up more birth birth it didn't show up as more as much with me as a doula um but definitely the advocating for themselves right so that definitely has there's definitely some work around self-love for women or for all of us that, that involves um when we advocate our, for to advocate for ourselves especially with the medical industry having a good sense of self-worth and love is helpful <laughs> you know so just really encouraging that um 
belief in themselves that they deserve to ask questions. They deserve to get the information. They deserve to have a second opinion if they don't, you know, just the really advocating for choice um, and advocating for them to have a powerful the option, the possibility of a great birth, of a beautiful birth, a non, you know, an untraumatic birth. Um, and the more I noticed women advocating for, selves, for themselves, um, oftentimes, even if the birth was hard or really difficult or had stuff issues, they oftentimes still felt better because they knew it was, they'd done everything they could to advocate for themselves, you know? Um, and they had other people and then they had me and, and advocating for them too, which obviously helps. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Did that answer your question, Sophia? Yeah, yeah, it did. Um... So in terms of postpartum, what would you say that you supported women with the most around body image? I would say mostly the, well, yes, let's see. Let me think for a second because, mm, I mean, in the role of doula, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a lot, I'm not going to like spout a bunch of radical stuff necessarily, right? I'm much more, I'm there for them. So I really want them to feel the room to speak about feeling bad about themselves, right? Not like the body image police where I'm walking around being like, you have to love yourself right now. <laughs> um, so, but I do, I, I, I definitely, and this is happening right now with a client, you know, just my experience is that women are so hard on ourselves and giving lots of information and, and also just really allowing for this, for the space for these women to remember that they just give, they've just given birth right now and that that they their bodies are unique and going to have their own process for recovery and that it kind of alicia said this thing on um which i know she i was listening to her podcast just about how every woman's body is going to do something differently and the expectations we have for women is that it's crazy mm -hmm. um so just really allowing the women to take the space and time to the rest piece Many of the women I work for in Marin, right? And, and there's a lot of the women in Marin are really hard on them. I mean, there's a, there's a culture of do more, harder, faster, you know, um, the best, and just allowing a lot of space to rest and take care of their bodies from the inside out. And the, the, the outward part is really just the way their bodies look, just reminding them again and again that their bodies are sacred vessels. They gave birth to this. They, their bodies just mag. Their bodies are magic. You know, just a baby just came out of their vagina. It's an incredible thing. And that it would be crazy for our bodies to look the same after, to feel the same, look the same. It's just, it's a, it's one of the biggest transformations we can go through. So, just giving a lot of permission to be gentle with themselves. And that's kind of been my big thing. I just, yeah telling women, helping women to just see that rest and gentle kindness with their bodies is going to change the way they feel too as moms, right? Being gentle with themselves, they're going to feel less need to be rigid, right, in general. So I just, yeah. Yeah. I think too, just reminding them where they're at is what yes. I do a lot because they, you can kind of forget, especially as the meal train dies down and the, you know, yes starts to go back to normal-ish, you can remind them that just five weeks ago you gave birth and it took nine, yes. 10 months to get to the point where you gave birth. Like just 
you know, and I've had a lot yes. of them be like, oh, thank you for that reminder, because it feels like this child's been here for so long, <laughs> you know, because yes, exactly and, and so it, it I think it's helpful to be reminded that you just did this recently you know yes and it's amazing how we forget <laughs> and that we and that we don't allow for and again this is just, I, we, I know you you women know this too just the culture of um that lack of support after I mean as a postpartum doula you know how many times do I go to three months and they're having to now go on their own. It's been three months, which is a good amount of time, but still they could use more support, you know, as far as, mm -hmm. you know, even learning new things about their babies or, you know, just having, I mean, I'm really big on community. I really like, I really encourage the women I work with to, to join support groups just because even if it's not like you're having a really hard time, just being around, I mean, a lot of us used to just go to a playground and hang out with me and Leah, that's what we used to do. But if you don't have a park near you or you don't have, of course, COVID times, um, just joining a support group, having get enough support, really changes things, obviously. So where do you see yourself in like five years? If you could plan out, you know, what you want to do as far as postpartum work or teaching dance, what, what are kind of your goals, but just sort of your dreams for that? Oh, honey. <laughs> um, that's a good question. Um, yes, well, so I'm in the process of creating some curriculum that I want to teach. So, and it's definitely mixing pole dancing, sensual erotic movement, um, somatic, somatic kind of trauma release stuff, along with um, spiritual, like ritual and goddess um feminist i know you know which which witchy pole pole dancing like i know right <laughs> so like i've been i've been literally playing with names right now like priestess pole dancing pole dancing priestess and alchemy you know like i'm having all these yeah i'm in like the major vision i've been envisioning envisioning this since i was a teenager really of how i want to bring the work i want to do in the world and definitely as i said the the dance part for me because of the joy it's not just because it's you know dancing's great the amount of joy that it brings me that's I literally would spend eight hours a day dancing every single day if I could and teaching so I'm right now trying to envision a life of what that would look like do I want to have a studio not sure do I want to do workshops not sure you know I know that I want to do programs that are deep that that are women that there's a consistency where women can come and have a place they come every week to delve deeper into well dance erotic movement um, self-empowerment sexuality, eroticism, you know, um, and right now, because of the current landscape we're in and COVID and all, the, I've, I've been teaching Zoom, dance on Zoom for seven months and it's great. So, but I'm not sure how moving forward, if that's going to be virtual or in person, right? So it just all depends on what's going on. But I definitely know that I want to do deep work with women around movement and dance. And I have done, I did do a session for a, a doula client, Leah's client, actually, who I worked for for a long time. I, we called it the dance doula. Um, I did a, an erotic movement class with her when she was like nine months pregnant, you know, in her home, came to her house. Um, and we were really focusing on movements that would open up her pelvis and keep and get and connect her to her sexuality and her eroticism, because obviously birth is a sexual experience or erotic I love experience. That. Yes. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> 
So really tapping into that energy and being able to talk about the vagina and our wombs as, you know, places where we can, well, I do, and I think many women can, um, bring that erotic part through in their birth experience can be really amazing. Um, but also just to continue to remember that we are erotic beings, whether we're pregnant or 90 years old or have no limbs. I mean, none of it matters. It's all, it's, we're born, we're born that way is what I'm trying to say. We're born with that erotic nature. I'm just saying like, it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> we all deserve to have that feeling. And um, the dance doula thing was really fun. She's like, this is just, this should be what you should do all the time. Like dance doula, let, let pregnant women like gyrate on the ground <laughs> while you're talking, yeah. while you're, while you're talking sexy talk to them. Cause I like, I do a lot of verbal cues, you know, so there's a lot of um, visualization that I'm mixing in kind of like with birth, right? I'm talking about spiraling. I'm talking about letting all that energy come down through their body out their pelvis out their vagina you know and, and using that even in dance that was really fun so that's that's another possibility i've thought about um yeah do, do so the dreams are big i just don't know which one do you say that again dreams of that like because a lot of my clients will use visualizations in labor have you ever done a recording but specific to that about bringing sensuality and sexuality into it into birth where they could just like plug in their earbuds and a really good idea. I have not. <laughs> I have I, to run with it. <laughs> I love that. That's a brilliant idea. I've done you it. At, it's funny enough. It and... Yes. I've, I've funny enough. I've done that with client. I have a client right now who's private, who's in Australia, dance client. And she's asked me to, cause I do these grounding things at the beginning and she's asked me to record them because she says she likes to dance on her own and she wants to feel that energy of the erotic because it's the erotic that's hard for us sometimes to tap into on a regular data basis, right? Because I don't always feel erotic when I'm cleaning my living room or, you know, whatever. The energy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and I think that I was super hard. I was really influenced by that, those ideas when I gave birth, especially to my, my first daughter. And Leah was there for that birth. Oh my God, so amazing. And I had, you know, I had pictures all over my room and I know many women do this now you know big spirals or like words that were like open open you know just so that I wouldn't forget you know mm -hmm. that to that that was where the energy needed to come because it's for me at least with pain I would always feel like you know when I'm in pain I like scrunch and I tighten mm -hmm. which of course makes birth harder and more painful so I spent so much energy and time trying to be like, relax my vagina, <laughs> relax my, you know, just because for me that I really had to fight, well, all of us, right, had to fight against that um, instinct to, to tense, to, to shut down during birth. Mm -hmm. And I literally remember when I was pushing my daughter out and it had been three hours of pushing and 48 hours labor and at home. And she was like, you, I started, she, I, I was, my daughter's head was like literally coming out and I started closing my legs. She's like, you can't close your legs. You can't close, stop, cl open, open. And I was like, all oh, right, wrong, wrong direction. You yeah. know, <laughs> I changed my mind. <laughs> I, uh, never mind. I know her head's out, but like, seriously, stop it. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so, yeah. I wanted to ask you, cause I know for myself, I've definitely been feeling this way um you know being a mom and raising daughters and watching your daughter grow and start menarche and all of the stuff that we haven't dealt with comes up again because of our children right and so oh, yeah. i didn't realize i had so many body image issues until my daughter 
turned 11 and her body started Mm. to change. And um, like my mom was a professional ballerina. So she had an eating disorder my entire life. And I was always bigger than my mom. And so that was, and I never realized that was a thing for me. Yeah. But I noticed that, um, that I have a lot of negative self-talk. And I noticed that my daughter would say things about her body that I say about my body. And I'm like, holy crap. Like I just threw up a mirror that I'm like, she's listening to what I'm saying. (laughs) And I need to like really do work around that because here I am like a midwife and I'm like, you know, empowering women. And I'm thinking I'm doing such a good job as a mom and I'm raising her in a feminist lesbian household. (laughs) And here I am saying this fucking shit about myself and she's repeating it. So I'm just like, Mm. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to ask you if that's come up for you, because I know you have a 12 year old daughter. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that for me having a daughter specifically, but children, um, is very triggering <laughs> everything's triggering all the time it's like yeah. uh yes yeah, it is it's a mirror in every way right i mean right. i always i used to joke when my kids were younger that i had really good self-esteem before i had children <laughs> and then some and then it's just really hard to maintain yeah. self-love with um because they show well for me and my children mirror my issues my shit you know right in my face um with my daughter you know She's, she was always sort of, obli- she seemed very oblivious to her body for a long time. Um, not oblivious, but like not really in it that much in the sense that she didn't talk about it or seemed, but I don't know if that was just with me because she knows that, I mean, it's at the point in my household where it's like, if she mentions something, like, I wish my hair would flip this way. And I'm like, well, your hair's beautiful. She's like, yeah, mom, I know I'm beautiful. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I know I'm beautiful the way I am, you know. Um, it's sort of like a joke, but I do see that it's more that I'm terrified for her. Like it's not so that I feel it doesn't bring up stuff with me as, as much as it brings up the fact that I still have a lot of, um, I'm just really afraid for her. Honestly, I'm afraid because no matter what I say, no matter what we say, there's still a whole culture of self-loathing that's there to tell her that she's not okay the way she is. And I don't know if my voice is going to be strong enough or her dad's mm-hmm. voice. Right. Um, okay. and I know that um, she sees my body and has thoughts about it, you know, and I think she's always curious about if her body's going to be like mine, those, those things come up, right? She says things where like, am I going to have big boobs like you mom someday? I hope so. You know, but I'm like, oh, you are, if you're lucky, maybe. No, I'm just uh, we talk about boobs a lot. That's one of her weird obsessions right now, I think, because she's just developing, you know, she's like, you know. My daughter asked me if, if, if- She's gonna have my boobs too. That's that's really funny. So that must be a thing. They want to know. I'm like, you're gonna have your boobs. My mom. My daughter is more about like memes. You know, like, am I gonna have milky boobs? She wants. To know. <laughs> I know. Oh my god, that's so funny. I was Leah knows this. My son loved breastfeeding like more than anything in the universe, and I swear, up until he was like six or seven, he was still like, "Remember when I used to nurse Boo Boo?" Booby, remember Booby? And I was like, yes, I remember. He's like, oh, I miss Booby. I'm like, wow, this is just a never-ending, a never-ending devotion to the boobs. <laughs> my daughter's thing right now is she has curly hair. She gets it from my husband, and I actually like wished for it. I told him he had one job it was curly hair, and it's my favorite thing. I just love it so much in her, and 
Um, and she doesn't like it or says she doesn't like it. And like, why doesn't it get long? Because her hair is getting curlier and thicker and it just keeps going out. <laughs> it hasn't yes, even touched yes. the nape of her neck yet. And, um, and so she's always like <laughs> trying to flatten it down. And I was just visiting my aunt, you know, and she like busted open the curly girl book and she showed me this quote, which was about mermaids and how the mer like, you know you were a mermaid because you have your curly hair and you came from the sea and you know all this stuff and she was just like oh, you know it just like changed everything for her like oh my mermaid God. that's hair. amazing i don't have curly hair i have mermaid mermaid yeah that is so sweet that's that's brilliant actually Mm -hmm. I read that book. That's a great book. And I, I love that because, yeah, the whole thing about curls is that it's untamed. Like, I know that I, I, you know, I have curly hair, obviously, and it took me many years to love it. But once I did, it was like never going back. But definitely there was a thing about it being untamed and wild, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. wanting like it to be tame you and flat. <laughs> yes, exactly. But when, when, you know, when, you're, when you're trying to fit. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, or what got wild during puberty, which is when my hair got curly <laughs> during puberty. Hormones. Yes. Um, but I was going to say that, um, Emma, that, you know, right now she's kind of exploring her sexuality, right? Like she came out as bi a while ago and she's really into the whole gender thing. And so right now I'm, what I'm really noticing and it's, um, is that because she's exploring gender and sexuality, even though, you know, she's not having sex obviously or even kissing anyone. But just like her desires, um, I think that the body part is starting to come through too in the sense where she will explore wearing something that she thinks is really androgynous. And she's like, this hides this part of my body. And what does that feel like? And what if I wear this tiny top at home? Like she'll be like, you know, wearing something that's more sensual or like, you know, uh, what's the word? Um, skimpy. <laughs> and she's like, how do I feel? You know, she's not doing that, but she's like, how does this make me feel? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just noticing her exploring that and that the body thing um, comes up in the sense that she's aware that she's taller and bigger than the other. She's, you know, I'm 5'8", I'm which is not that tall, but she's taller than every one of her friends at this age. And I was too. So she's kind of like an Amazon when all her friends are like, you know, four foot two or something. She's five foot five, size 10 feet, you know. And I'm just noticing how she's aware of the differences but for her the kind of person she is at this time and that could change is she wants to be different she literally said the other day mom i don't know what to do for my summer style because i just don't want to be basic <laughs> <laughs> and i said i said what is basic i said that sounds so judgmental who's basic <laughs> nobody's basic you know but she was like you know what i mean just like boring clothes with no you know no expression uh, <laughs> But I think, but I'm worried, but I would say like, I'm more afraid of her and how she's already had some bowling based on her looks, you know, and um, just a little, you know, but it's like early in her journey as a teenager, as a, you know, we know 12 year old girls, that's the, that's, that's the middle, if not the beginning <laughs> when it gets mm -hmm. hard. So are there still support groups for teen girls, just like you had when you were younger? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Actually there's one, I'm hoping my friend who's a doula, Bethany doula, you guys should talk to her too. Actually, she's amazing. Um, she does a, a, a girl's moon camp during the summer, which I'm trying to, she's trying to get enough girls right now between, I think 11 and 13 where, um, but she, it's like a body, it's body image with obviously, obviously like fertility or moon bleeding, um, sexuality, all of that, but appropriate. Um, I also know that for a fact that the organization that I worked with, I know Leah did too, 
um, still does groups for girls called Beyond Hunger in Center Fell. That's for eating disorders. And then there's one called Body, The Body Positive in the East Bay that's pretty amazing and does a lot of work with teenage, teenage kids and going to schools. So those are both really great. Um, and I, I mean, again, I think that there's something about that. And I was saying that obviously about the women postpartum support groups is that once as women, and I would say it's for all people, but I'm going to speak from my place of being a woman, that once we start hearing the stories of other women, it just, I think it gives a lot more permission to have all of the experiences and knowing that we're not alone. And I just think that's important for teenage girls. It's important for women my age, women without, you know, it's, it's just important for all of us to have groups to be in a uh, to be in a supportive environment that can um, help us if it means that we are going to be if we're if we're going to be living a more um, radical life and self-love is still radical which is crazy <laughs> but it is in many ways um, that we need support we can't do it alone you know yeah I so. love seeing all the body positive um, ads and things you just there's more and more of them you know where you almost oh yeah don't notice it anymore because it's so frequent yeah. now you know I still get excited every time I see an ad for a woman in lingerie and those stretch marks and like you know belly I mean to me that still is just it hits me in this way that's like ah uh, because it was so it feels so good because it's just a mirror and and it's seeing it's of course you know representation matters so yeah I, I know I love that too it's pretty awesome all right my dear so if people want to get in touch with you do private yes. lessons to hear more about what you're offering what's the best way um well you could email me my full name at gmail.com caitlin rivlin at gmail.com um also i teach at sisters in motion sf um that's pole and central movement and we're doing zoom and we just started doing in person in the studio classes which is really exciting um so i'm on that website you can sign up for classes with me through sistersinmotion.com or I think it's sistersinmotionsf.com. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Should we do our last question? Mm -hmm. Emma, you want to take yeah. us out? Oh boy. Okay. You ready for this? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Am I? Am I, am I ready? <laughs> I don't know. So if you, if you could push your belly button and it would do anything like a superpower or give you anything, <laughs> what would it be? Push it. Yep. And it's like a button that just gives you a, a fulfillment, a wish fulfillment. Oh, it would shatter money. It would shower money out of it. It would, it would, it would money <laughs> coins, coins <laughs> would fly out. I have a very large belly button and I used to always put quarters in it. And they fit perfectly. So I, that's the first thing I thought of is having gold. But I'm thinking gold coins. Yeah. Beautiful. I love the detail. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Maybe like pirate's gold or. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. That's what it has to be. Pirate's gold from my belly button. Yes. That's my superpower. I can pick it. <laughs> okay. So if you could go back in time and talk to your teenage self and give her advice, what would you say? Don't be scared. Follow your heart. Don't listen to anyone else. You are the sovereign and authority of who you are and what you do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love you. That's what I would say too. I love you. 
It's interesting oh. that we we ask every person we interview that question, and it's always like kind of the same answer. <laughs> it's like we all just want yes. to go back and just tell our inner teenager how much we love them, and they're gonna be okay. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. I know, and we get to as moms kind of have that opportunity to do it again or do it in a different way, right? We get to do that for our children, tell them it's going to be okay and that they're loved. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I don't know. Mine would be make sure your kids are spaced out farther apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. But that's yes. because right? I did it right now. <laughs> yes. Or, or, the older me don't have unprotected sex when you've only had when you haven't had your period that doesn't mean anything <laughs> yeah. you'll still can get pregnant we're like uh -huh. can we give a book to our child so <laughs> yes and i'm already planning on telling my daughter like how fertile this family is i'm like fertility <laughs> is very intense here like be careful <laughs> always okay well, my be, don't get that stupid oh. tattoo <laughs> Which stupid tattoo? I didn't see any stupid tattoos. <laughs> I, went, I can't even see it. I went to a, oh, God. I went to a party when I was 16, and they had a tattoo gun. And so I wanted to hide it from my parents, so I got a tattoo <laughs> right next to my vagina. But I was like, I want to be, I know I'm going to be a midwife someday. So they were like, had three kanjis. It was like dog, son, and woman. And I'm like, I want woman in red for our birth blood. And he had, he like had me stand and do it. And he went like really deep. It was like worse than childbirth, dude. I'm telling you. Oh and so I'm like dying, but like everybody's watching and like, you know, handing me beers and stuff. I'm like, it's fine. That's great. I'm fine. Um, like just fucking dying. And yeah, I went through the like the most traumatic thing of my life. And then uh, a couple of years later, my friend's like, oh, did you know that there's two signs for a woman for kanji you have the woman's bathroom sign tattooed on you next to your vagina just so you know like great that checks out i would have that <laughs> so, yeah. i'm gonna remember be remembering that for quite a while <laughs> sorry though <laughs> oh, it's making me cry that's good oh my gosh Leah, what about you? Who would you tell? What would you tell your teenage self? Oh no, I'm sure moving you. on. It's Sophia's <laughs> turn for a question. This is for after hours. <laughs> Love that. No questions from the PETA gallery. <laughs> okay, my question: What is your least popular opinion you have? So a really strong opinion that nobody else feels the same about. Wow, that's a good one. Mm. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I honestly don't know how to, I don't know if there's anything that I think that nobody else. All your opinions are super popular? No. <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, no, not at all. Um, you say it that way. <laughs> yeah, if you say it that way, no. We gotta figure um, out a word that better. Definitely, I mean, I would definitely say that people disagree that pole dancing can be empowering. So mm -hmm. I do believe that, I'm not saying it is for everyone, but definitely that erotic dance and pole as part of that is about autonomy and not about being sexy for anyone. I do not believe that none of, none of the women I know that 
have done this work or done this dance for a long time or doing it for anyone but themselves. So, but yeah, a lot of men would disagree with me on that. We're all doing it for a man. Corey, be sexy. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, it's so great to finally meet you because we've all heard so much about you too. Uh, and we'll all have to get together in person. I can't wait. I'm literally looking forward to it. Yeah. And I listened to a couple of the other podcasts. So great. Loved it. Aww. Thanks. Thanks. Yay. Um, are you on Instagram too or just... I am. It's just under my full name. I don't do any kind of, you know, sneaky names. It's all just Caitlin Rivlin. Um, okay. And yeah. And I, I was going to say like I have, which I could send to Leah, but um, there are so many incredible body image women that I, and men that I follow on Instagram, like be a great resource for. And so I send it to women to those who are pregnant. Like this is a specific place that um, shows women's bodies, like a photographer that focuses on women, you know, after birth, during birth, stretch marks, say mm -hmm. all the stuff that can, can just help to it, normalize. We can put it on our page. Yeah, we'll, yeah. Put it, we'll put it in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, my dear. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. So wonderful. So nice to meet cool. you ladies. You too. So nice to meet you too. Oh, have a lovely day. I love you, Leah. Mwah, mwah, mwah. All right. Bye. 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 Uh, Thanks everybody for listening. You can find us at Born Wild Podcast on Instagram. For inquiries or feedback, you can email us at bornwildpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me, Emma Ray, on Instagram at Emma Ray, R-E-A. Sophia at sophiabirth.com. And me, Leah, at Bay Area Home Births. We would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us reach more people. And as always, stay, stay wild. wild.